0: Thank you, Choir and Carr and Roger. In Mark's account, it says that after the uh, Last Supper, after the Passover meal, they sang a hymn and left. And I think we don't think about that very much, and we figure they probably sang Amazing Grace. But they didn't. Uh, they would sing Psalm 113 through Psalm One eighteen. So thank you for studying that. Some of you know that my youngest son is a graduate student in uh, North Carolina at the same place where I was uh, many years ago. But our experiences were completely different. When when I was there in um, the late 70s to 1980, I really became a North Carolinian. I registered my car. I paid state taxes. uh, I voted in the elections. And when I graduated, I was seriously tempted to stick around. But my son's experience in North Carolina has just made him more Texan, if anything. And in fact, often when he takes a a picture of himself studying in the morning or studying someplace, you will see his water cup, which uh, of course looks like the Whataburger cup that you get. And in his room, which I've seen, he's got a giant flag right above his bed. And of course, it's the 1835 come and take it flag uh, ...from the Battle of Gonzales. Of course, come and take it apparently was a phrase that actually goes all the way back apparently to King Leonidas and the Spartans and then picked up again in the American Revolution. But of course, we Texans claim it uh, because that uh, uh, was a big part of uh, the beginning of uh, the war um, between uh, Texas and Mexico, and the Texans, of course, had gotten a cannon for Gonzales from Mexico, and then a few years later, as hostilities increased, they were not about to give it back, so as you know, they posted the flag with the picture of the cannon, and they said, come and take it, and it clearly identified which side they're on. I, I say that because there's something that I had not noticed before, but a scholar pointed out about uh, the... First Passover And preparations for the first Passover In Exodus 12 And that is that having a lamb In your house Which all of the Hebrews Would have been commanded to do And to keep it for four days Was basically like flying a flag In front of the Egyptians It was in a sense drawing a line In the sand Because for the Egyptians They worshipped lambs Our lambs were sacred and to know that you had taken one of their gods hostage and were holding it there for 4 days was a clear sign of which side you were on whether you were going to be on the side with the egyptians or whether you were actually abutting Revolutionary. It was like flying the flag that said, Come and take it. And I look back at that episode and remind myself that often we who seek to live uh, deeply into our faith find that most often at some point that makes us countercultural. At some point that identifies us as different than the people who are around us. And so the lamb. Signifies to the Egyptians that uh, we're not with you. Another thing though, the lamb signifies to the Egyptians um, and, and it helps to remember that in the ancient world, uh, they communicated in images and pictures more so in the Eastern world than, uh, than with words. And so for them, a picture was in fact worth a thousand words. And so the picture for them is that an, something that held great value for them was being held hostage and was crying out for help. Imagine for four days while the lamb bleated out. Somebody, get me out of here. And God, I think very clearly, intended the Egyptians to see that picture. That they were also holding something sacred and valuable. And while human beings are not gods... We know from the scripture that the image of God is in each human. And so something of sacred and uh, worth and value was being held and was crying out for freedom. And uh, the Israelites knew what the Egyptians were about to find out, which was that God was going to answer that cry for freedom. Another thing that interests me about keeping the lamb is you're supposed to get it on the 10th day of this preparation and keep it for four days. And uh, at the end of, uh, of, on the 14th day, then, then the animal uh, was sacrificed, was slaughtered. Now, I don't know in your family how soon an animal that wanders up or that you gather becomes a pet. But I think four days pretty well does it in our house. Uh, we were walking on a trail around our house a couple of years ago, and we found a stray cat in in the shrubs. And, and so we first brought it food, hoping it would find its way. We put flyers in nearby apartment complexes. Nobody responded. Uh, so the second day, after it had spent a couple nights out there by itself, we brought it into our house. And, and by about the fourth day, that cat was family. And it reminds me that one of the things God is going to ask them to do is to remember that sacrifice involves cost. And that this lamb is not just another animal, but this lamb has in fact become a part of the family. And so in, uh, in the preparation for the Passover, we see these amazing pictures that are communicated to the Egyptians, with a line in the sand, and that God's going to come and rescue something valuable, but also communicated to the Israelites about what real sacrifice involves. Uh, Years later, David will buy land on which to build a temple, and somebody tries to give the land to him for free. And David said, look, I'm not going to offer sacrifices to God that don't cost me anything. But God's not through with the pictures. Many years later, at this Passover meal that Jesus has with his disciples, there will be a new picture. And some of the script is about to be rewritten. For in this Passover meal and in the events that follow just uh, several hours later on Good Friday, no longer is a line being drawn in the sand. But rather we see in this meal and the crucifixion, Rather a circle being drawn. And no longer is a line like you're on my side and and they are the enemy. But now by the cross, a circle is enveloped and distinctions aren't drawn between friends and enemies. Jesus put it this way in the Gospel of John, when I'm lifted up on the cross, I'll draw all people to myself. No longer a line But a circle, no longer saying, I'm going to come and get revenge on for what you've done, but rather I'm going to come and grant forgiveness for what you've done. The script is rewritten in, in this amazing picture of an innocent person who gives his life for everyone. We can already see hints in the Bible that God was beginning to rewrite that script. And, and the prophet Isaiah, God said, when the fullness of time comes and everyone comes to worship to Jer- in Jerusalem, he said, the Assyrians and the Egyptians are going to be there. The very people who, who we had to draw a line in the sand and say, you're not us. Because you've attacked us and you've hurt us deeply. And God begins to tell them through the prophet Isaiah, no, they will all be welcomed on God's mountain. And we see this picture in Jesus Of a welcome. I read one person say that the real miracle of Holy Week is not just the resurrection, but is in the crucifixion because the real miracle is that Jesus died for the very people who killed him. And as for the picture of intimacy, what does it cost to draw this big a circle? It is not someone who in four days has become family. But according to the Gospel of John, in this picture, the Lamb of God is someone who's not been there four days, four years, four centuries, four millennia, but has been there from the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, imagine the cost. It costs a lot to draw a line in the sand. But it costs so much more to draw a circle.